The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Does someone need to experience a life-threatening crisis to gain the lessons learned from a near-death experience? Or can we reach the same awareness through meditation? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. James Bean is a comparative religion scholar and a book reviewer, author, public speaker, broadcaster, with a broad familiarity with global religions and spiritual traditions. He's been involved with public radio, Radio for Peace International, the community radio movement, Wisdom Radio, uh, and is an independent producer currently creating programs for several stations. James, welcome back to NDE Radio. Hi, welcome. Yes, thank you. Nice to be Thanks. here. Well, good to have you. James, in your article, Light and Sounder Within You, you wrote, there is much more to meditation than stress reduction. It can also serve as a tool for inner exploration or enlightenment. And for the mystically inclined, meditation can even be a portal to the divine or, as Rumi would say, a window to God. So it sounds like uh, meditation could um, parallel the NDE experience. Yes, for some. And <clears throat> it's kind of a, a lesser-known um, approach to meditation. When most people hear the word meditation, they probably think of stress reduction and where it's gained a lot of ground and recognition in recent years has been, um, well, I think um, medical and holistic, you know, kind of practitioners have uh, focused on that aspect of meditation. But, of course, meditation goes back to uh, the saints and mystics of all of the great world religions as, um, as a kind of tool-like uh, prayer uh, to uh, access the divine. And so the full... Uh, practice of meditation is very much a part of the spiritual journey and goes back to ancient times and uh, is uh, a, a connection to the divine, you know, that has been practiced for, well, at least all of recorded history, but I suspect probably much longer than that. Right. Well, one of the things about a near-death experience is that Sometimes the brain is totally incapacitated, and it seems like the connection, the, the, the experience, the vision is coming more through the soul than through the brain. Do you think that can be uh, paralleled in, in uh, the meditation experience? Yeah, mystics who have uh, inner experiences, uh, yeah, the, according to the, the teachings I'm familiar with, um, it's really the soul uh the the third eye is the it's been is the eye of the soul it's been described as uh third eye or single eye and it connects to the brain uh but is really a separate thing uh, in 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 the spiritual traditions generally speaking you have uh, the body uh the mind and then there are different terms in different traditions for the soul which is a distinct separate thing from mind and and body and it has an ability to see and hear. Uh, and so uh, any kind of visionary experience uh, that's not a product of the mind <laughs> uh, is uh, <clears throat> coming from, from the soul part of the human being, you know, is, is able to see and hear on a, in another way, a spiritual hearing, spiritual seeing. 
And how do you know when it's uh, the soul and not the brain that's um, in, that's that you're communicating with? Well, uh, through experience in meditation, people can get kind of a sense of, uh, of uh, what's happening if what they're seeing is the result of concentration and meditation. And once you break off your meditation and go read the New York Times or, or go do something else, you know, the mystical uh, vision disappears and, and goes away. Uh, mystics do uh, try to guard against... Uh, Phantasmagoria, you know, the the, uh, the more of a, a mind-based uh, uh, kind of vision. Uh, if you believe in Elvis hard enough, you might be able to get him to appear. I, <laughs> hmm. uh, there's some some possibility of the mind on its own uh, generating. Uh, for instance, uh, when, there is that point uh, between being awake and starting to doze off. You're into into sort of a dream-like state or semi-dream-like state. That's considered more the mind uh, when you're almost ready to fall asleep and um, and you're you're in that kind of hovering hovering between the waking state and the sleep state. Uh, anything that exper- is experienced then is generally not considered to be real, but more like dreams, and uh, you know is 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 not necessarily a, an exalted state a different state of consciousness or anything. But uh, through meditation, it's possible to discover this whole other part of ourselves and get to know it. And so anything that goes on, it's based on concentration or attention. And so you can enter into uh, an experience of divine light and then uh, break off your meditation. And then uh, it's like tuning the the radio, you know, going from one station to another. Hmm. One of the things that uh, people who start meditating uh, talk about is the sort of the chatter that your brain interferes uh, with, um, sort of the monkey brain, I guess they call it, where it's just the monkey mind, (laughs) the monkey mind, where it's just it's just uh, you know nonsense stuff or distraction from from where you really want to go. And how much of a problem is that? That that is actually the biggest obstacle uh, to spiritual practice uh, is uh, the the mind as sportscaster, if you will, giving you the play by play. When when you sit in in silence, absolute quiet silence, you can hear your thoughts so loudly. <laughs> uh, it's kind of analogous to uh, being in a dark room, and when you light a candle, that the light of the candle is very bright. Uh, whereas during the, the daylight or outdoors, you know, the, the light of the candle would be dwarfed by all of the other light. Uh, and when you're sitting in, in absolute silence, you can really hear your thoughts uh, very well. Uh, non-productive thinking, worrying about the future, remembering things about the past, and uh, you, you, you're, you, you find it challenging, or typically most people find it challenging, to find the off button, to just not think for a while. And so uh, spiritual traditions uh, usually recommend, pretty much east and west, people adopt a mantra. And this gives the mind something to do uh, that keeps it occupied or subdued to some degree. So a mantra, a, a, a sacred name, depending on your orientation. And there are spiritual traditions within uh, Christianity, Judaism, you know, Catholicism, Buddhism, Hinduism, etc., 
uh, all with their methods uh, that that one can follow. Uh, and so mantras may vary from the Jesus prayer of Eastern Orthodoxy and Christianity to some other mantra, uh, depending on your tradition. Or if you have no tradition, you can just adopt a sacred word. You can can um, create your own sacred word to use as a mantra, and you just slowly repeat that word, and that will give your mind something to do, and become becomes kind of an automatic process, and that will quiet the mind. That's one major tool that everyone recommends adopting for those. Uh, that's really what you'd call the first step of meditation, really, is adopting a mantra and then slowly repeating that word in order to uh, break out of the, the normal routine of thinking, you know, worrying, planning, re- reminiscing, all of the things the mind typically will do. You know, it's, it's the closest thing we're going to get to an off button, I think, mm. for the mind. Should it be a sacred word? I mean, should it be, say, the name of Jesus for a Christian? Or um, uh, uh, yeah, I know Om, I Om is a popular one in the in the East. Yeah, Om is is big, and yeah, I would say, I mean, if someone is totally secular, they could probably come up with a secular name and kind of a non, uh, almost like trans- what transcendental meditation has tried to do to have sort of a faith-neutral kind of approach to meditation. Anyone could do that. But, yeah, if you were, uh, if anyone is, is coming from um, a religious perspective, y- y- including evangelical Christianity, you can, you can find within that tradition uh, your, your fellow mystics, you know, fellow meditators. Uh, you know, in Catholicism, there's Centering Prayer in the John Main Christian Meditation Society, uh, of course, uh, a lot is going on in Buddhism when it comes to meditation. Whatever your faith, uh, you can hook up with uh, uh, meditators and mystics within that tradition, and they will have in your language and you know the the version of this ap- approach to meditation is all very much part of every tradition. It seems to have evolved um, more fully in the Eastern tradition and the Eastern religions, though, and. Uh, uh, and in fact, I think some probably fundamental Christian groups would say that it's a it's an open invitation to uh, the demonic coming into your into your mind to open yourself up that much. Why do you suppose that uh, Eastern religions are so much more mature and uh, developed along meditative lines? Yeah, they've they've had a longer period of time to be uh, intact. I think uh, for a long time. Of course, in, in in India and other places to these, they've they've had wars as well and disruptions. But in the West, there's been so much uh, decimation. The the Library of Alexandria was burned not once, not twice, but three times just to make sure every every book of the library was torched. Mm. Uh, and the, the pogroms against uh, and, and holocausts against uh, Jews, including followers of Kabbalah. And uh, the destruction of the Essene group in near the Dead Sea in Qumran, the people that hid away their scrolls just before the Romans conquered, took over their their uh, Qumran Qumran uh, compound there. And so we in the West, there's a lot of reinventing of the wheel, uh, losing the knowledge, and then having a Renaissance reboot and getting it back again. So uh, in in the West, although 
I mean, Pythagoras was ancient, Jesus was ancient, Moses and, and those Jewish mystics have been around for, for eons, uh, but their traditions have, are very suppressed from time to time, and so it's they, they start over again. <laughs> you might say we're kind of younger or newer, you know, kind of re, always reinventing the, the wheel again and again. Or I know some, some some people try to account for Jesus' wisdom by saying that when he was a, a child or a young man, he went to the east. I mean, there are stories without any particular evidence to back them up that uh, that he learned it all from the Eastern religion. Yeah, there are there are some uh, folks that have said that. I've never embraced that belief. Although the the Apostle Thomas, there's a, a very strong tradition of Thomas going to the east. And that's pretty much universally believed from orthodoxy to, uh, you know, people in India. The Thomas Christians of India certainly believe that, <laughs> and the, mm. the Church of Thomas there now. Um, but as for Jesus himself, I've never, yeah, I've never thought of Jesus as uh, having done that. Uh, but he had uh, teachers, you know, growing up in uh, Israel and he became part of the John the Baptist group and inherited portion of that and became a kind of successor to John the Baptist and commenced his uh, ministry at the death of John the Baptist. Uh, but yeah, in the West, there's a, I, I collect scriptures, and uh, there's, a, there's a, a lot about meditation in the West, uh, but it's very small numbers of people that follow the, the Western equivalents, whereas in, in the East, of course, Buddhism and Hinduism Jainism and the Sikhs, those are very big and uh, tend to be more out in the open with a spiritual practice. In the West, it's just a small, small groups of Jews and Christians, and uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, almost an underground thing in, in Western religion still. I know your one of your favorite books is the Gospel of Thomas, and I'm wondering, do you think that was written before he went to the East? I think Thomas, well, I think the, the sayings of, those uh, are mostly Thomas's uh, sayings of uh, Jesus. Uh, many of those are also found in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the the debate amongst some of the scholars is, uh, uh, is, um, is Thomas a independent kind of witness to this hypothetical document called Q, or, uh, you know, where, who was first? So some, some believe the sayings of Jesus found in Thomas are slightly earlier than their counterparts in the New Testament. Uh, mm. and, but Could it's it... hard to, hard to know for sure. But those would be basically just sayings, uh, during his min- mission, during the, the latter part of his life. Uh, could people wrote could uh, could Thomas actually be Q? Maybe. In other words, uh, that's, a, a more complete related. version of Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, Thomas is related to Q, uh, and is a similar format uh, of Q. And so it, it, it's as if someone had access to Q, in addition to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, <laughs> who quoted this, have these sayings in common that they were all quoting, as if they had a, a collection of the sayings of Jesus in front of them and decided to quote them every so often. And uh, Thomas, uh, the book of Thomas, did as well uh, have access to Q. 
And but what the Thomas format, though, uh, instead of a, a gospel with a lot of stories about Pharisees and Sadducees and stuff going on, it's just a, a wisdom gospel. And so when you have no story but all sayings, it it, it really becomes like a, a collection of the proverbs of Jesus or. A wisdom gospel, I think, is what some of the scholars would call it. Right. A love of well, the teachings. To to get back a little to the uh, relationship between meditating and and uh, NDEs and so forth, you, you mentioned when people are falling asleep that they're it can be a mind thing, but that's also a time when people find they're having an out of body experience. Um, you know where they're they actually feel them their soul leave their body and perhaps travel to a another place uh, is there can yeah. you reach that by meditating as well meditation you can you 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 can indeed yeah meditation uh, when when we close our eyes and begin practice uh, it's a process of ascension really and if we have uh, just a little bit of guidance. Uh, it's possible to, through meditation, get to some of the same realms as uh, one gets to in a more traumatic sort of way, of course, through an NDE. So this is more of a gradual approach uh, mm-hmm. through meditation. And uh, yes, that uh, that can lead to an experience of uh, uh, visions, uh, a tunnel opening up, uh, and some of the same insight uh, that one would get from an NDE, uh, the same same idea, only through meditation. You know, when when there's no medical trauma whatsoever to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, now I know you uh, teach classes in uh, how to meditate, and I thought maybe you could talk us talk our listeners through uh, to uh, through the process of beginning to learn how to meditate. Yeah, and I can email. These instructions, I have some instructions which I can send to people. I'll give out my email address, and then people can get to this and then try it at home. Terrific. Uh, yeah, I can run through these uh, steps, steps of meditation, and illustrate. It'll give a sense of, uh, of um, how meditation can be a, a tool for exploring inner space. Um, step one, of course, would be to find a, a time and place when you won't be disturbed. Uh, typically, uh, every day, you know, a, a good time to meditate. Pick that time. Could be early in the morning, could be in the evening. Uh, whatever works best for the individual when things are quiet and they can uh, leave their phone shut off and aren't likely to be interrupted. Uh, step number two is really getting comfortable. Uh, sometimes when people first try meditating, they, they want to sit in the lotus, you know, sit cross-legged in the lotus uh, posture for the very first time in their life. And that's that's a bad idea because uh, you, you discover that you lose circulation to your feet and it's not comfortable at all. <laughs> so it's good to be comfortable to, like, sit up straight uh, so one is focused, but but comfortable in a in a chair or on a sofa or edge of a edge of the couch, uh, some posture that you're absolutely comfortable with, that you won't lose circulation or have any pain or need to fidget, that would which would, would of course uh, break your concentration. So a good posture, 
for meditation. Um, and to uh, you, you close your eyes, basically. You're gazing at the darkness lying in front of you within. And uh, we mentioned a little bit already about a mantra. You uh, adopt a, a mantra and repeat that name. Um, in, in my tradition, it would be within your mind, you know, a mental, mental repetition of a chant. But some people, of course, especially if they're new at this, might pick a name and then softly speak vocally, you know, speak this uh, name, Om, 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 or whatever word it is. You'd actually say it very, very slowly and, and pause and then say it again. So one is, instead of being in a hurry, one is kind of being slowed down by this, this repetition of a name, like uh, once every 15 seconds or so. And so that's the that's the launching pad. You're staring into the darkness uh, in front of you with eyes closed, comfortable, not moving physically, uh, just chanting your word, gazing into the darkness. And here uh, in this darkness, uh, think of the dark the darkness in front of you as like a movie screen, and you're just staring at this screen, uh, looking for something there. And it's going to be different, of course, for, for everyone. Some might say, I just see darkness and that's it. But quite often over the years, I've talked to people and they've reported that in, in, when they're really still and concentrated, that they have noticed uh, seeing light before in, in the darkness. Uh, could be colors uh, or stars. Uh, I remember someone said when they have a, a when they have a good meditation and get real concentrated, sometimes they see stars. And I thought to myself, "Why, well, yeah, <laughs> people have been reporting that for for millennia. Uh, stars or colors or fireflies, you know, clouds of light, some kind of light. And that's that's a very important thing when when any light appear." appears in your meditation you just gaze at that uh, light and uh, enjoy whatever that vision is and um, continue to do that and it may change at some point uh, to another kind of light this initial light that you see is almost like a waiting room you know you're you're floating in this inner space realm and you may see in the darkness uh, stars or colors or a cloud of light of some kind. And then another light might uh, make itself known, uh, and, uh, and this can become a, a brighter light. This can morph into a, a tunnel of light or something uh, more uh, interesting. And uh, this kind of light, if it's bright light, it doesn't hurt your inner eye, and it it's actually a very soothing kind of light. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to find uh, the inner light. And so that's an important thing, to, to just contemplate the light. Look right into the middle all the time of whatever scene that you're seeing. And it may morph into uh, uh, another vision of light. Like uh, when you're surfing the web, you click and you're on another web page and then you click again and you're off to another web page. The uh, same within, you know, there's a, a, a light and then it can morph into another kind.
kind of light. What would the possibility be for your encountering someone else, as often happens with an out-of-body or near-death experience? That can occur. Uh, the With this type of approach to meditation, uh, and there's plenty of guidance about it in in uh, in Sant tradition, Kabbalah, and Judaism, and the Sufi mystics have a lot to say about this too. Uh, yes, with more concentration and journeying further into the the light, uh, it's possible to have uh, the same kind of escort, uh, the like an an angel guide or inner master radiant form of the master, as we might say in the Sant tradition. Uh, and uh, as with NDEs, the more advanced r- record of uh, of traveling through the, the heavens within, uh, usually there's a, an inner guide involved in the process. Uh, the book of Revelation starts off that way, even, you know, angelic escort. Uh, and that's kind of typical with more advanced uh, meditation, where you're beyond that initial stage and starting to really delve into the, the light, it's possible to have a, a guide with you. Uh, some might call that an, an angel or inner master uh, or some other figure. Uh, I'm not sure that that passed on relatives you know, would figure in meditation. I haven't heard of that. Whereas, of course, in NDE experiences, that's quite common. Yes, uh, to have the your relatives uh, in some cases uh, kind of greet you, uh, but that's um, yeah, that's a, a of course a different kind of kind of thing. You know, you're almost uh, almost permanently crossed over. So, but but in in terms of meditation, an inner escort is fairly common. An inner master to escort you, uh, and as it gets more advanced, that becomes kind of the standard thing where you're you're journeying with your teacher. You know, inside from uh, realm to realm, and that's a very old. I mean, that's even recorded in scriptures. Uh, you know, the uh, the ascent of the soul through various realms, accompanied by uh, a guide. You know, that's that's a very old. Uh, it's still people still follow that now, and have been experiencing that for a very very long time. You know, there I know of two thousand year old scriptures that have. Uh, Similar descriptions of that uh, and angelic a uh, guide that accompanies the person as they're on this journey, you know, through different heavenly realms. And it's usually the same guide that you meet from time to time. Uh, the guide varies from person to person, tradition to tradition, and uh, and I'm and there are different theories as to what that might really mean. You know, uh, some some are of the opinion that there's a, a divine light, and someone is Catholic, or someone is Jewish, or someone is of a certain belief system, and so that light assumes the form that the person is most likely to willingly work with and be put at ease, you know, to work with that. That's one one uh, way of trying to make sense of this is why why do Christians see a certain kind of figure and why would someone else from a different religion see a different figure? And they just assume that the the divine light assumes a form that 
they know the person is willing to work with and would not be weirded out. If someone is Christian and all of a sudden, hi, I'm Buddha, you know, that might throw them off, you know. They might not <laughs> exactly. know what to do with that. So, hey, James, in the, in, the, in the minute and a half or so we've got left, why don't you tell folks how they can find um, uh, your meditation material and also uh, find out more about your broadcasting, you know, and, and your website. Give us that information. Sure, sure. Yeah, if anyone wants to receive the copy of the uh, meditation instructions, I'll ha- be happy to send that as an email. Just uh, email email me at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. And that's my website where people can find out about my activities and blogs and social media and everything else, uh, spiritualawakeningradio.com. Excellent. Well, well James, sure th- flies when we're having fun. It sure does. It always does. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back again. In fact, people should go back and look at our past shows because uh, I didn't look up the uh, the dates that you were on. But if they scan back through past shows, they'll find you're talking about uh, light and sound in uh, the heavenly realms. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time for today. My thanks to James Bean for sharing his insights on meditation. If you would like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS, please visit that website at iands.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.